0: All right, we're live. We are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. He comes to us from Eastern Europe. I spoke to him back on December 9th, 2021. His name is Joffrey Roberts. And our earlier conversation was out about an excellent book that I read titled Stalin's Wars, From World War to Cold War, 1939 to 1953. And this, we're going to talk about a book today that just came out in February. 6 2022 title of it is stalin's library a dictator and his books which i finished uh, this morning really a fascinating book if you're watching on youtube you can see i have a hardcover version of the book and mr roberts is emeritus professor of history from university college cork he's a fellow of the royal historical society has been awarded numerous awards over his academic career including a fulbright scholarship to harvard and a government of ireland senior research fellowship he's a frequent contributor to british irish and american newspapers and to popular history journals and he has acted as a consultant for a number of television and radio documentaries and he's written many books some of the titles again you can listen to if you, if you listen to our earlier conversation from december the unholy alliance which is 1989 the soviet union the origins of the second world war 1995 the soviet union and world Politics." 1945, 1991, that was 1999, 2002, victory at Stalingrad, the battle that changed history. 2012, Molotov, Stalin's cold warrior. 2012, Stalin's general, the life of Georgi Zhukov. And then he also did a work with a number of other authors in 2020 titled Churchill and Stalin, comrades in arms during the Second World War. And his website is his full name, Roberts.net. So you can contact him again there. But we're going to talk about this book today titled Stalin's Library, a dictator in his book. So, Mr. Joffrey Roberts, welcome back to the show. Thanks for agreeing to the interview.
1: Hi, good to be back.
0: For people who may not have heard our earlier conversation, can you, uh, you have a long career, can you kind of talk about the arc of many of the books you read and then what led you to put together this book, Stalin's Library?
1: Well, my, most of my books uh, seem to be, be about Stalin, don't they? Yeah, I mean, my first book was called uh, The Unholy Lance You mentioned published in 1989, Stalin's Pact with Hitler. That was um, about the Nazi uh, Soviet, uh, Nazi Soviet Pact. Um, and then later on, I, I did a book um, called Victory at uh, Stalingrad uh, that developed uh, changed history. That was quite an important book in terms of my development, of my interest in Stalin, because that that's what got me interested in stalin as as a war leader yeah and, and his military um uh, role during the war so that, that, that was an important break for a book from my personal point of view then there was stalin's wars which is a a study of stalin as as warlord uh, during the second world war and early cold war and then <laughs> I, d- I did a book uh, uh, called uh, molotov Star, stalin's cold war and then, that book was mainly about molotov rather than stalin and uh, then there was this book stalin's uh, Stalin's general which was a biography of Georgy Zhukov who was Stalin's deputy supreme commander during the Second World War and you know, arguably the you know the greatest uh, general of the Second World War some would say the greatest uh, Soviet or Russian general uh, in, uh, in 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 history okay now when I come to, to 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 this to this book um and I, how I came to write this book was that I wanted to write a wide-ranging book about Stalin. So my previous books about or connected to Stalin had a kind of specific focus, uh, sometimes quite a broad focus, but nevertheless a specific focus. So I was interested in the idea of, of doing a wide-ranging um, a book about, about, about Stalin, look at many different aspects of his life and career, his thinking, his character, and so on. And, and the opportunity arose in relation to his... Uh, Personal book collection, his personal library, um, which about ten years ago um, uh, was was going to be digitalized and put online uh, by uh, by Yale, Yale University Press. So there was an interesting source I could I could use to to navigate my way through uh, Stalin Stalin's life in, in all its different aspects. But it was also going to be um, conveniently um online accessible in digital form so you know i'd be able to research most of this book you know at, at, at home uh, in, in ireland now it, it turned out that um only some of the uh, materials uh, from stalin's personal library were actually digitalized only about a third of the third of the books that stalin had marked in his personal library were actually Became available online. The other two further books were available, but they're in Moscow, so I had to make many, many trips to to Moscow uh, to to look at the, uh, the, the, the these other books. Okay, so so the whole project took took a lot longer than I expected. When I took the project on project on ten years ago, I thought maybe I, I could be finished in two or three, maybe even four years, but um, it took me uh, it took me ten years. Um, partly. It took me that amount of time because of the logistics of accessing the source. Because what we're talking about here is maybe um, 500, um, f- f- 500 books that Stalin had marked in some way, He'd written it, or marked in some some other way. So that was the core source of the book. Uh, and most of those books I had to go to Moscow and, and, and look at in situ in the, in the archive. And that's quite a time-consuming time uh, process. But... There was another reason um it took me so long to write the book yeah uh, and that was because i i, I couldn't I, I, it took me a long time to find a way to actually actually write it yeah and the only way i could actually write it was to actually broaden the focus to, out from just being about Stalin's library and you know, the, the particular books that he'd read and he'd marked in this library, to a much much more broader exploration of Stalin as an intellectual, to a much broader intellectual portrait. of Stalin, actually, to um, to write Stalin's bi- bi- biography. Uh, you know, in in a way, you know, I wanted to write a ro- wide ranging book about Stalin. I didn't want to write a biography because I thought to myself, "Well, that'll take me ten years, and it would be an enormous amount of work." But as it turned out, it did take me ten years. I had to do the enormous amount amount of work research uh, that, that writing a biography would. Have, I I'd have had to do, and in the end, I did actually. um I actually ended up writing a bi- biography. I mean, the public the jacket of the book. Um, these are, these are not my words, these are the publisher's words. It says here, it says, this is a remarkably original biography of Stalin told through the books he read. So that's basically... I wish, I, I wish the focus
0: would come up on this book. But yeah, no, it really is interesting. And and uh, I learned a lot from it because it's a different aspect of his life. Like you have a, you know, you talk to him about a bloody dictator or a warlord. But really he was much more sophisticated and literate and literary, I think, than I, I I knew. And it started very young for him, right? Back in when he was in the
1: Caucasus in yeah. Georgia. Yeah, the, 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 most, you know, the most important message of my book, the most important thing to understand about Stalin is that you know he was an intellectual. Yeah. He was a, a man of ideas, reading. Was his life thinking was his life, yeah. And this starts at um, a, a, a very, a very, very early, early age. You know, Stalin was a studious uh, boy uh, who, who read a lot, um, yeah. who read a lot from from, from the get get go. Was uh, was a very good pupil, both in the church school he attended and in the sem- seminary. Intention. He, he was dedicated to 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 reading, learning, and studying, and that dedication continued. Throughout the whole life, and you know that that dedication to to learning, to self improvement, was 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 the foundation of who Stalin was. Was the foundation of Stalin as an intellectual. And the other point to, to make here is that it, it, it was Stalin's ideas, his ideology, that drove his politics, that drove his p- p- you know political. P- 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 uh, uh, political action yeah of course you know when people like think about stalin when they talk about stalin of course you know what immediately comes to mind was you know, that stalin was a dictator uh who presided over a, a brutal uh repressive uh, re- regime uh he was responsible for the deaths of millions of, of, of innocent people and what i want to know is well you know what happened here how, how is that possible and my answer to that question is that it's po- possible It it, it, it happened precisely because Stalin was an intellectual, because yeah, His brutal, repressive, authoritarian politics were driven by ideas, were driven by uh, his, his ideology. So you can't separate Stalin, the brutal dictator, from Stalin, the intellectual. The two things go together. And what I try to show in my book is how these two things work, work together. And, and obviously I'm using this particular source of his personal library uh, a, 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 as a way of navigating through that terrain.
0: Right. And it is fascinating. Like you include his marks from when he was in school. I think it was a Jesuit school or an Orthodox school, but yeah, he yeah, had very North,
1: good Russian Orthodox Church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was so, a, uh, he, he was, Stalin was a Georgian. Yeah. So he was educated in uh, uh, in Georgia. Uh, but, but the school, it, it was by the Georgian branch of the Russian Orthodox Church. Yeah. So that's the answer to okay. that question. Yeah. And, sure.
0: and his real last name is Jugosz yeah. right? So, yeah. but you, you see, see the, that... yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right. Stalin, of course, was a, a pseudonym that he adopted, uh, actually adopted about 1913 when he was uh, you know, a, an underground revolutionary in Tsarist Russia.
0: Yeah. Right. And he had been arrested many times, thrown in jail, had been in and yeah, out of the exactly. system, Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. But, yeah. but and, be, and what he did when he was in jail was an exile. The main thing he did was he read. He read books we have lots of reports uh you know because you know when he was in exile he was kept under police surveillance so we have lots of reports police reports of Stalin visiting and spending a lot of time in various um you know, public libraries we have one particular report is where he was in exile and he absconded from the, uh, the 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 the, you know, the the room that he was living in as part of his exile, and he left be, be behind a, a whole number of books. So it's quite 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 interesting to see you know what he was reading at this particular time.
0: But he was also kind of a teacher. That intellectual background helped him become very important in that socialist movement, right? As a yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, okay so, okay, so Stalin was educated in in a church school in his um his hometown in in Gori, in Georgia, uh, and then he went to a, a seminary um in in the, in the Georgian capital Tbilisi. Okay, and he he went to seminary you know to train as a priest. You that was going to be his, his his vocation. But what happens is that when he's in Tbilisi, when he's at the ceremony, uh, he becomes radical. Yeah, he becomes a, a kind of rebellious uh, student and gravitates tr- towards towards the socialist movement in Russia, and uh, and and, and, and yeah, eventually he he drops out of the seminary and becomes a political activist and becomes you know and, the, and, and because the socialist movement in Russia at this time is um, illegal, um, you, know, he, you know he's working un- underground in conditions of, uh, of, of of illegality. Now, the particular faction that Um, he gravitated towards in the revolutionary socialist movement in Russia at this time was the Bolshevik faction, headed by Vladimir Lenin. And the thing about the Bolsheviks, about Lenin, was that this was a a movement, uh, a, 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 a faction, a party, that was led by intellectuals. And it was a movement that had an intellectual uh, mission. And its intellectual mission was to enlighten the masses, to bring socialist ideas to the masses, to raise people's uh, consciousness. That's the way uh, the Bolsheviks saw a a revolution coming in Russia, a revolution that initially would overthrow Tsarist autocracy, and then uh, would, 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 would carry through a socialist revolution. And it's quite natural that Stalin, who I mean, Stalin never ever calls himself, refers to himself as an intellectual, but that's what he was, yeah? Uh, That's his identity. And it's no accident that Stalin actually gravitates towards this particular part of the socialist movement because, you know, he was an intellectual himself. It was natural that he would want to join a, a party of intellectuals with this uh, intellectual mission. Now, having said that, um, Stalin's main role in the party wasn't that of an intellectual, he didn't perform an intellectual faction. Stalin Stalin was a political activist, an agitator, an organizer, and actually a, 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 a revolutionary journalist, That—that that is what he did. But all the time, all the way through, he's educating himself, he's reading, he's keeping up with matters of theory, and indeed, you know, uh, he actually makes some uh, significant contributions to uh, intellectual debate, uh, socialist intellectual debate in Russia as well.
0: Yeah, one thing I didn't know is that he was right. He wrote kind of a book or something, like he was writing in that pre-World War I environment. So he was active. And I think you wrote wrote that he had missives and letters. So he's very actively uh, in communication. And you can kind of see that as... The precursor for what happens later on in his life, right?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're talking about you know pre uh, pre pre World War One um, political uh, activity, which as you, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Stanley spends a lot of his time you know being in prison or uh, or or in exile, but all the while um he's engaging uh, engaging in, intellectually yeah he's thinking he's writing he's contributing to discussions he's talking to people yeah and that that never stops you know that continues uh, you know through to the revolution the 1970 revolution, and then after the revolution throughout his whole life that is what you know stalin is uh, is He's reading and he's engaging uh, intellectually. That is that activity which really drives him forward in everything he's trying to do, he's trying to achieve.
0: And he was uh, really kind of, I think that was another thing through the book that I saw was he really was a legitimate admirer of Lenin, his books, and always that was a significant element yeah, yeah, of yeah. his library, correct? Right?
1: Uh, uh, absolutely. Look, Lenin, Lenin was Stalin's um, role model. Yeah, uh, Lenin was an intellectual, quite important Marxist intellectual, but he was also a, a man of action, and that's how Stalin, you know, saw himself. He, you know, uh, he saw himself as being an intellectual, um, a Marxist intellectual, and and and, and being, uh, you know, a, a man man of, man of action. Lenin was um, Stalin's role model when it when it came to reading and it came to building up a. Um, you know a, a big a personal book, book collection. Lenin had a big personal uh book, book collection. Um, Lenin actually marked his books, wrote in his books, some of them anyway, just like Stalin did. Lenin worked in his office, uh, in the Kremlin, surrounded by books, and the same was, was true of Stalin. Yeah, so Stalin is, is very much, yeah, Stalin sees himself as being you know a, a pupil, a follower of Lenin. Yeah, he, he in many ways, he's trying to. Uh, you know, to, to emulate uh, Lenin, not least as an intellectual and as a reader. Right, and
0: so Lenin uh, has a stroke; is incapacitated, 1924, and that's really where Stalin moves into the next phase. But he's reading his antagonists and other theoreticians, yeah. and he has their books in the in libraries and Yeah, 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 so. yeah,
1: yeah. Sure, yeah. It's an important point that yeah. So, so no, let, look, okay. So Lenin is yeah, Lenin is the founder of the Bolshevik Party. He's the leader. He's the, he's the the Bolshevik leader of the Russian Revolution. He's the architect of um, the Bolshevik Caesar of power. Without Lenin, there would have been no socialist revolution in Russia in, in 19, 19, 1917. And, you know, Stalin recognizes that and the indispensability uh, of, 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 of Lenin. OK. Um, sorry. <laughs> OK, so, 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 so Stalin very much um, identifies with Lenin. Uh, yeah, Stalin. Lenin is by far Stalin's uh, favorite author. Uh, there's more books by Lenin in Stalin's personal library than by anyone and anyone else. Uh, and he he marks and, and reads in detail more books by Lenin than anyone else. Yeah. Okay, but it's not just Lenin uh, he he reads. He he reads. Yeah. Plenty of other people as well, particularly uh, other leading members uh, of the Bolshevik Party. Okay, but one of the things that really surprised me about my research, and you know, this is what I discovered, was that um, you, know, you know, okay, Stalin was uh, sorry, Lenin was Stalin's uh, favorite author. His second favorite author, at least for a period of time in the early post-revolutionary years was Leon Trotsky. Leon Trotsky, of course, who later became his great rival, uh, who Stalin later demonized as a, an enemy of the revolution. And In fact, you know, in the 1930s, he characterized Trotsky as being in cahoots with Hitler and the Nazis. And, of course, it was Stalin's agents that assassinated Trotsky uh, in, Mos- in, in Mexico in, in 1940. But in the early post-revolutionary years, until I'd say about the mid-1920s, Stalin has a lot of time for Trotsky as an intellectual, and for Trotsky's books. And once he's writing, he reads his books very carefully. And you know, in my analysis, anyway, he actually he actually gains uh, a lot, uh, lot, lot from re- reading of Trotsky. It's only later, in fact, Stalin himself says, in about 1925, 1926, you know, he says, you know, until now, I've actually had uh, a moderate position towards trotsky i wasn't that hostile to him and you read um stalin's markings of trotsky's boxes, like and you can see that that's actually true that wasn't just a piece of of rhetoric uh, 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 by Stalin. so that that was really interest, interesting to me okay but stalin didn't only read his um you know his political allies Lenin, obviously, and Trotsky. He also read his political enemies and he learned a lot from them as well. That was another thing that really surprised me about Stalin as a reader, his ability to pick up ideas uh, and information from all kinds of different sources, including people who were his political opponents, people who were his sworn enemies people whom he politically at least uh, hated. Yeah, I know, he read them all, and he extracted useful information, useful ideas, useful formulation of the concept from the work, which he, he can then, then use himself.
0: Right, so he uses these things in his speeches and things like that, and also his his wide-ranging reading. And to me, I don't know if I would put him as a classicist with a capital C, but he had a very good understanding of, you said history was his favorite subject, so he understood yeah, Greek mythology. Yeah. Can you talk about his wide, other wide-ranging interests?
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, so, so, so Stalin was a Marxist. Yeah? He's a, <laughs> a committed Marxist, committed committed communist. So, you know, a, a, a lot of his the reading he did was about Marxism, or was by Marxists. You know, from Stalin's point of view, you know, Marxism had the key. You know, was the key to everything. The key to all knowledge. Yes, about everything. Right? So naturally, you know, he was interested in you know, Marxist writings on, on a variety of, of sub- subjects. But you know, he also uh, he also read um, a lot of non-Marxist works as well. Uh, yeah, and yeah, uh, 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 okay, as a Marxist, he was particularly interested in you know the works of Marx, Engels, Lenin, the classic the classic uh, writers of Marxism. Yeah, and he was interested in Marxist theory, politics, and economics. But I would actually say that okay he read a lot of that stuff but actually his favorite subject was history yeah uh, and he read all kinds of different um historians in fact his favorite historian um you know wasn't a marxist was a non-marxist historian the russian historian called uh, yuri yuri viva uh, who uh who, who yeah who specialized in in ancient history and um the uh, the history of early Christianity, but Vipra uh, also wrote a, a very famous book, uh, a biography of uh, of, of, of uh, uh, Ivan Grozny, Ivan the Terrible, you know, uh, you know Ivan IV, the Fourth, one of the one of the early Tsars who has this kind of reputation for br- br- brutality. um Now, unfortunately, Stalin's uh, copy of that particular book is missing from his library, but it's almost certain that he read it. I'm absolutely convinced that that, that Viper's uh, writings on various historical topics, including Ivan the Terrible, was was, was actually central in shaping uh, you know, uh, some very important views that Stalin Stalin came to, to adopt after the, the revolution. So yeah, so Stalin's a Marxist. Marxism, you know, is is the is his universe, but he currently, he reaches outside of that universe. You know, he, he looks at all kinds of different writers. Yes. Uh, particularly uh, uh, particularly historians, but also memoirs, all kinds of different things, all kinds of different books you can find in his library, including many that he marked, not just Marxist stuff.
0: And it was interesting, like, he would go to certain books when he was challenged at certain times. So post-Lenin, he would read certain books that would help him in the situation. When the uh, Hitler invades, 1941, June 22nd, he starts reading... Other things to try to kind of learn. So he's he's a really a lifelong long learner and still developing all, all even to up to 1953 when he passed away, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, Stalin's a political creature. Yeah, so politics is his life. Yeah, politics drives all his interests. Yeah. So whatever political issues, concerns are at the forefront of his attention, that you know directs his reading. Yeah, absolutely. So so in the mid 1920s when he's involved in this. You know post you know after Lenin's death he's involved in this struggle with, with people like trotsky um, others as well about who's going to be the new lenin who's going to lead the party after lenin, who's going to be the top leader in the party yeah the post lenin uh succession uh, s- s- struggle um yeah one of the things he does is he goes back and he reads a lot of Lenin's writings from before the revolution, from the early days of the Bolshevik Party, when it was riven by splits and there are all these different factions. And why is he doing that? Okay, he's doing that because this is Lenin, and he always wants to read what Lenin has to say. But he's also going back, reading Lenin's work, seeking kind of like ammunition and formulations of types of arguments that he can then use in. In, 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 the, in, in the inner party struggle. Okay, so so politics at the front. Same thing. Jump to the nineteen thirties. Um, what's Honeys' horizon in the nineteen thirties? Why is it rise in the nineteen thirties? Particularly after Hitler comes to power, there's war. There's going to be another world war, and the Soviet Union, chances are, are going to be involved in that war. So that's when he starts to get interested uh, more in issues of military strategy military uh, affairs and also in diplomacy so again you see that the, the kind of pattern is that um you know his reading is directed towards his immediate political interests and how his reading can actually shape and inform his political de- decision making another example in 1936 uh, uh the soviets uh, adopt a new constitution the Soviet, yeah a new constitution and there's a big discussion leading up to adoption of that constitution what Stalin doing Stalin is studying books about constitutional theory and constitutional law of other countries of bourgeois countries of capitalist countries and he's reading these books or at least one book anyway i know of and he's marking it you know marking points points of interest so you know he, he's kind of trying uh, uh, he's, he's he's trying to learn uh, from other experiences, including the experience of capitalist bourgeois countries and their constitutions, even though, of course, you know the Soviet constitution was in many ways very different from the types of constitutions you get in capitalist countries.
0: Right. No, it is fascinating. And then the actual—I think you wrote in your book—at one time his library was at twenty-five thousand volumes, like very significant. And he had to—he his dacha or his country house, like he was moving it around, and, and uh, that's what was kind of his study. Can you talk about the actual? like books that he had in and
1: how he yeah I, okay look, look, the, 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 okay the problem problem is this we don't actually know how many books he had by the time he died yeah twenty five thousand 000 uh yeah, is my estimate and, and yeah, and this is not just books it also includes uh, pamphlets and periodicals as well but but that's my ballpark figure and i explain in the book how i arrive at that uh, ballpark figure okay so what happens is that when Stalin dies um uh, you know, the party leadership takes the decision that they're going to turn this uh, big dacha on the outskirts of Moscow into a Stalin museum. And th- this dacha, which Stalin had, uh, which had been built for Stalin in the mid 1930s, uh, had a huge library room. Yeah. And it also had a, a, another building which was devoted to holding. Stops, you know, uh, stores of his books, of his books. So, this dacha was the main kind of physical space of his personal library from the mid nineteen thirties onwards. Okay, so the idea is that, that this dacha is going to become uh, a Stalin museum, and had that project gone ahead, then his his library, his personal library, would have been kept intact, just like Lenin's personal library had been kept kept intact after after he died. Okay, but of course, what happens is in 1956 at the 20th Party Congress, Khrushchev denounces Stalin, denounces Stalin uh, uh, and, his, and the cult of his uh, uh, personality, and denounces, uh, denounces the mass repressions of the Stalin era. And then, after, after you know, subsequent to that Congress, the party leadership takes the decision, it, it, it abandons the idea of a Stalin museum, and it issues a directive that Stalin's personal um, belongings, his personal stuff, including his book collection, is to be dispersed, is to be giving away, uh, in, in, in the case of the books, it's to be given away um, um, to other libraries. So that's what happens, um, except that a few thousand books are <laughs> Saved by um, party archivists, yeah, and they're saved by party archivists because there's a few thousand books which are ident- identifiably belong to Stalin and they are identified as being for Stalin by two main two main um, signifiers. One is that he wrote in them; he wrote in these books. There's about four or five hundred such items, or they have his um, ex libris stamp. In the mid-1920s, Stalin employed um, a librarian uh, called um, uh, Shushanika Menagerat, yeah, I call her Shusha for sure, and and he asked Shusha to organise his book collection for him, um, to sort it out out for him, Um, and one of the things she did was to devise uh, a, a stamp you know an ex-libris stamp which you know stamped his books and it, it identified them as coming from uh, uh Stalin's library now Shusha before she worked for Stalin as a librarian had been Lenin's librarian okay and she'd done the same thing for Lenin she'd like organized Lenin's personal book collection and, and devised a, an ex-libris stamp for him for Lenin um and, and then organized his books and and she did the same uh, uh for Stalin okay uh, including you know Libri stamp including Institute a system whereby um, a lot of Stalin's library books were were stamped and marked as belong to him okay the unfortunate thing was that in 1930 <laughs> Shusha got another job <laughs> and you know she, she left the kremlin and went to work elsewhere and after her departure the system that she had created of stamping um you know uh, accessions to Stalin's personal library that basically I don't just just stopped happening i'm not sure why it stopped happening yeah but by the time it stopped happening there were about five thousand books yeah which or, which have been stamped yeah and it's these five thousand books with containing uh stalin's ex libris stamps that were saved by the party archivists after the the 20th party party Cong- congress so that so so, so, so that, that's basically so we have this remnant a significant remnant um of Stalin's personal library, about five and a half thousand books. Five thousand of them are, 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 are unmarked by Stalin, but they have his, his signature or they have uh, his library stamp or other identifiers. And then he got about five hundred items which uh, he actually uh, he actually uh, uh, wrote in. He made marks in, uh, of various kinds. Now, there's one sort of um, slight complication to this story, which I'll, I'll mention here. Okay. Uh, Stalin's, yeah, read a lot of fiction, you know. Uh, there were, we, we don't know how many, how much literature, fictional literature there was in the library, but we can be fairly confident, we're talking about thousands of items, thousands of novels, plays, um, short story, collection story, all kinds of things like that, right. But the thing is that Stalin generally didn't write in fictional, works that there are a handful of examples in which you did but, but basically you didn't do it and nor was this stuff marked was uh, stamped it wasn't stamped i'm not sure what, why it wasn't stamped as belonging to stein i think it might be because um the fiction section of the library was viewed not as Stalin's personal possession or belonging or was being a part of his personal it was viewed um as a family as a family um, collective item yeah so maybe that's why the, okay but the constant whatever the reason the consequence was that you know when Stalin's library is dispersed after 1956 that includes um you know, you know virtually every um, item of fiction that had been in his library so we're kind of a bit in the dark as to ex- exactly what fiction books were part what were in his library you know quite a lot about non-fiction, but not about fiction. So, you know, we have to like reconstruct what Stalin was interested in when it comes to, to fictional literature from other sources. And, and that's why I do in the book that I have a chapter um, called uh, called Stalin and, 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 so, and Soviet literature in which I use these sources to show the kind of um, fiction that Stalin was interested in uh, and uh, his general attitudes. Towards uh, to, to, towards towards literature and towards Soviet writers and the function of Soviet writers in in a socialist society.
0: But he was very astute. He was very literarily astute. For Gorky, all these other writers, and and there was a Stalin Prize. So he was very much uh, an overseer of kind of at least uh, maybe in his mind of the of the Russian literary tradition. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would. Um... I, I, I mean, Stalin's sort of tastes in fiction were quite like conventional. Yeah, he kind of like he liked realist kind of literature, uh, but realist kind of like literature, realist novels, for example, which you know politically could be read as being either anti-capitalist or pro 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 socialist in in some way. He called this kind of literally like socialist realist li- literature. So it, it revealed reality, but it revealed this reality. Was heading in the socialist uh, socialist direction. So again, you know, it's the the politics here. You know, the Stein's politicization of everything. He's going obsession with politics. It's political calculations that frame his attitude towards towards fiction, uh, towards fiction as well. But he's also. Um, you know, Qu- quite liberal in some ways. Now there are moments, particularly after Second World War, when he's not very liberal. In fact, he's, he's completely <laughs> opposite. He's quite repressive in relation to to literature and to or particular particular writers. But in general, Stalin's attitude is is that okay, he wants you know Soviet writers to do socialist realist stuff, you know, to show the value of socialism. Yeah, to contribute to the socialist. Uh, project but he doesn't want to impose upon them uh, an artistic line or a form yeah he wants them give he wants to give them leeway to um uh you know, express themselves artistically and he also says says other things as well he, you know hes he, he's in favor of complexity yeah he he wants um characters to be realistic and to be fully uh you know f- 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 fully fully formed and he's always complaining about the stereotyping uh, in in Soviet literature, and there's a, there's a really there's one really very weird, weird thing he 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 says um, uh, we, in one particular discussion, uh, and he says you know, you know, we we need to, when, when we're in literature when we have characterization we need shades of grey we need uh, complexity even when we're dealing with our enemies this is what Stalin said we need to show their good sides as well need to show what that made them attractive and powerful uh, in individuals, because if, if we don't do that, we won't really expose them fully, and we won't really be able to show you know, you know, <laughs> how 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 these people were dealt with. And use the example of Trotsky, 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 who who just who whom he had assassinated just a few weeks or maybe a few months before this particular discussion. He said, "Look, yeah, Trotsky, Trotsky was our, our enemy. He was a bad guy." But he also had a lot of good points, and you know, we need to, we need, you know, we need to show the good points of, of of bad people. We need, you know, the bad people to be realistic characters, as well as the good people. And if we do that, then that will actually make you know <laughs> the good people look look even better. That was his point. So he had some really kind of quite interesting views uh, on, on, on on literature. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Really interesting.
1: Oh, political. Now politics is always you know, the driving driving force here. Yeah.
0: Right, he was invested in the revolution his whole life. I mean, wouldn't yeah, you agree? Absolutely. He was trying to maintain something he invested in, which was the socialist revolution. I,
1: what's driving Stalin always is defending the revolution, building socialism, um, defending uh you know the socialist future. That's what drove his yep, you know, his horrific repressions. And crimes that kind yeah. of like idealistic utopian uh, commitment, that belief, that self-belief in what he was doing was not was right and was essential to actually secure you know, the, the the future of humanity. Yeah, yeah,
0: right.
1: the inevitable
0: was, future, right? It was scientific materialism. Yeah, 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 he was yeah, just yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It wasn't a utopian future. He, he didn't believe that socialism was the utopian dream. What Stalin believed was that socialism was the inevitable end point of history yeah okay and the question was was how revolutionaries socialists work their way through that historical process to to hasten its end and to to achieve it you know his kind of views about you know with this whole question well if something's inevitable um well then why we don't need to do anything about it it's going to happen anyway like a lot like a lot of marxist kind of right. thinking kind of ambivalent views you know because on the one hand he wants to say yeah Socialism inevitable, but he also wants to say socialism is a human creation. It's something we're going to strive for. We're going to through political struggle. It's something we're going to achieve by human action. It's not just going to happen uh, on, on, on its own. But you say, well, if it's inevitable, it's going to happen. So there's a certain kind of tension and ambiguity in Stalin's thinking here. Uh, but but that that was something he shared with Marxists in general. And the, one of the interesting things that I learned from your book is how
0: much of an editor he was. He was constantly editing things from Pravda and his in his legacy, really. He was very much involved in one book I remember is The Short Course of History in the Communist Party. Very much involved in making sure his image was secure, how he wanted it portrayed. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, OK, so, so Stalin was, uh, you know, yeah, as a young man, he was a, a political activist. But mainly what he was was a political journalist you know what, what he was mainly doing he was writing articles he was writing pamphlets he was writing leaflets he was editing yeah and he was including you know editing 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 newspapers yeah he was he, he you know, he was a radical uh political journalist so that's the foundation of his p- political activity so he was from a very early age engaged in the activity of, of, of editing and that carries through you know after uh, after the, you know, the revolution, you know, Stalin edits everything that comes across his desk. You know. <laughs> you know, we are you know, thousands upon thousands of documents that where you know you can see Stalin making editorial corrections. You know, uh, you know correcting them, altering them, amending them, adding them, all kinds of all kinds of different different ways. But he also gets involved in some significant book uh, editing. Uh, editing. Um, projects as well, Um, particularly in the 1930s and 1940s. And again, there's a a chapter in my book that's called Editor-in-Chief of uh, the USSR. Uh, It it looks as Stalin as editor. I mean, the opening line of that chapter was that, you know, if there was one thing that um, stalin uh, loved as much as reading it was editing and i think that's, that that's true okay and you mentioned um one particular book that he was uh, heavily involved in the editing of I mean, in fact he was so heavily involved heavily involved uh, as the editor of this particular book that he he was actually its author or its co-author okay the book the book he mentioned was the the short course history of the communist party of the soviet union so this is this is a a history of the party that was published in um, nineteen thirty-eight, and the book arose from Stalin's dissatisfaction um, about existing histories of the party. Yeah, he, he thought there was a need for a better history, uh, a history that would educate party members—not the mass of ordinary party members, but the party cadres. Yes, the key activists uh, and, 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 um, and personnel you know it would teach people to you know, uh, you know about the history uh, of the party and it would also educate people uh, you know theoretically 1930s Stalin was very concerned about and again shows you him as an intellectual and he, and ideas but important he's very concerned about the the intellectual level you know, the theoretical level of key key party members he thinks it's very low so he thinks he needs there's a, a text which could be used as the basis for uh for for, for their edu- education and that's the text he um you know uh, he, he, he contributes to significantly in fact one particular section of that text which is on dialectical and historical materialism he writes it's his text. that part of the book is not just something he edited that's him he, he, he wrote he wrote that Now, the interesting thing about this process, okay, so the text is um, drafted by some party officials, um, and Stalin then edits their text, and and edits it in quite radical ways, So as I said, he's one of the authors of this book, he's not just the the editor of that book. Um, Okay, but but the party officials, okay, so we're talking about the mid-1930s here. Okay, and this is when the, the cult of Stalin's personality is really kind of like rising up, you know. Uh, it's not quite at it's high. He reaches its height after the Second World War, but it's a, at a pretty uh, high pitch. So, of course, the party officials who themselves are kind of like, um, what's the word, um, you know, <laughs> they're adherents of the Stalin cult. They believe in the cult themselves. They feature very um, heavily in this. their draft of the book, Stalin's role. Stalin's role, not just after the revolution, when he was actually leader of the Soviet Union after Lenin's death, but Stalin's role in the party uh, before the revolution. Okay, and what Stalin did when he was editing, he went through it, and particularly the early sections of the book, which dealt with um, uh, the the, the early history of the Bolshevik Party from its foundation in the early 20th century up until uh, the, the, the revolution. He went through that section and basically cut virtually all the stuff that referred to himself. All all the material about himself. So, the only um important figure that's left in the text after Stalin Stalin has has uh, edited it, has excised all this material about himself is Lenin. So Lenin is the dominating figure of the first um uh, of the first section of the short the short history, and it's Stalin's doing and he, and explaining what he's he, he, he's doing to. Um, to party officials you know what he says he says look we we want to do two things here one is we want to get people not to love me we don't want them to get to love the party yeah don't love big brother love the party as an institution we want them committed to the party as an institution not just to any particular uh, individual even when that individual is me and then we also need to educate the in in Marxist theory, in in ideas, yeah, we need to bring them ideas. So one of the other things that the 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 party of issues who drafted this textbook. Initially, they had a lot of like of kind of like personal heroic stories about Bolshevik heroes who you know, fought in fought for the revolution, died for the revolution, have been in uh, been in prison, uh, and that kind of thing. And Stalin cut all that stuff out, he depersonalised he the, the, the history. And, and, he, and he explained why he did that. He said, you now we want a history of, of the ideas of the party. That's the most important, most important thing. Not that you know, so and so did this, did that, was in prison or in exile. No, no, no. We need, we we need a history of the party which emphasizes ideas. We need to arm our members for the ideological struggle. And of course, at this time that this whole thing is happening, you know, he, Stalin thinks he's involved in a very um, what's the word? Profound ideological struggle with internal and external enemies, including, of course, Trotsky. Trotsky was one of the people he has in his mind. So you know, in, in order to you know, win the ideological struggle within the party, within the country, and also internationally, then the members of the party have to be armed intellectually with the, and educated with the appropriate ideas. Right,
0: and that even happened post-war. He's editing, even after the war, these other books. It's really remarkable that he was... Guiding and shaping these very important books that were being read. Uh,
1: yeah. through the one, 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 one of the things that okay, okay, so it's, it's, Stalin was the Soviet leader. Stalin was the, you know, was the was, the, was, the, was the dictator. So it was always obvious that. Um, he was the dominant figure, the central figure, the pivotal figure in the whole system. But we didn't really know how important he was, how pivotal it was, how involved he no. was until the Soviet Union collapsed and communism collapsed and we were able to get into the and, then, and then we go into the archives, and, and, and believe me, it is just amazing the, the number of pies he has his fingers in, uh, the amount of um, paperwork he deals with, the number of decisions. Lots of small decisions that he deals with. It, it is quite an incredible, uh, incredible uh, performance. And while he's doing all this, you know, he's also spending a lot of time reading and thinking, and marking his books cr- and draw, drawing his own conclusions. No, okay, now, <laughs> you know, you, no, okay. Whatever Stalin's like, um, what's the word for? Faults, crimes, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You, 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 you have to be impressed. By, by his performance in this respect, by his performance as a, 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 a political leader,
0: right—the stamina, the intellectual rigor, the solid solidity—really is an incredible figure.
1: Yeah, and, and um, that, that, of course, pe- people around him saw this, They experienced it firsthand. Yeah, uh, right. that, that's um, why it, it wasn't just because he had power, and it wasn't just because he had this cult of personality. It's also because of the way he performed that's what bowled people over as well as all the other things as well.
0: Yeah. Right. But you have to look at it all. The revolution, overcoming the revolution, the, the defense of Sarenia, uh, which became St. Petersburg all the way through fighting, fighting among the people, his own party, yeah. external forces, World War
1: II, really just a, yeah. Incredible, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the Soviet Soviet Union, um, actually, all the way through until Stalin's death, actually, and even after that, is, is a system in in crisis, in upheaval, uh, in, in, in transformation. Um, a system with huge amounts of you know, political violence uh, in, embedded in it. That's the system that Stalin's presiding over, trying to control, trying to direct, trying to achieve, achieve, achieve certain certain goals there. And and the thing about Stalin is this is that um yeah he's persistent. Yeah. He, he never ever wavers um in front of the front, front 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 of the problems. This is this is quite an important point. I think that uh, Steam, you know, Stephen Kotkin wrote this huge kind of biography of Stalin. Um you know, which I, I think is a very good piece of work. I, I've written reviews of the first two volumes, very laudatory reviews. I think I have some things to offer that he doesn't have in his books, but you know, people can people can judge that for himself. But he it, it does make this point: is that the thing that really cemented Stalin's power position and overawed the the, the, you know, the people he worked with, including other top Bolshevik leaders, was the role that he played during the process of collectivizing Soviet agriculture from the late 1920s on, onwards right which is a very very violent uh process of expropriation and, and enforcing the party and the state's power over the in, in order to sort of take control of the Soviet countryside so that the state can actually um you know feed the cities and the urban population which were engaged in this drive for industrialization and uh and, 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 and modernisation. And the thing about, you know, and, and it's a very problematic crisis. There's all kinds of things that go wrong with that, yeah? But what Kotkin says is that the what, what really impressed people was Stalin's persistence. You know, he, he saw it through. He saw it through, his persistence. And that's characterized christic of Stalin in lots of respects. He sees things, things through. He doesn't waver in, in, the, in the face face, face of, of the problems that he's confronted. He, he, he finds a way either through or around, usually with a battery ramp to actually get through the problems. So Stalin's persistence, crucial thing.
0: Incredible. Even just the, taking World War II as a little part of its one chapter of his life, just incredible that they could turn that around and end up in Berlin.
1: Yeah. Well, the well, I mean, would, you, would, you, would you know I wrote, I wrote a whole book about that. Right. Starless, was. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: We talked yeah. about that a little in our last
1: yeah. conversation too. But, but, but Of course, but you know, even during the war, he's finding time to do, to do some reading, you know, to, to do some, to, it's amazing. Do, some uh, to, uh, do, do some editing. Um, I, I, yeah, Joffrey, I we're at 50 minutes. Do you do you have time to take uh, some questions on from the three, audience? Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. for going on for so long. No, yeah. no
0: it's okay. It's okay. I've been
1: with this book in my head for the last ten years, and now it's all coming out. You
0: know <laughs> No, no I it's really fascinating. It's yeah, a questions. different angle on a very important person. Some sure. people you don't see that, but yeah you, yeah, you have the resources and the all these books to actually put that together. Yeah,
1: I'm trying. I'm trying to give a balance portrayal that's really important people understand that yeah this is about stalin as an intellectual stalin as a reader his library and all that kind of very interesting stuff but you know <clears throat> you know it, it, in no way is it kind of like uh, downplaying yes or denying other aspects of what stalin was up to uh, during his life you know i have a whole i have you know the, the very first line in the book is you know this is an exploration of the intellectual life of one of Hitler's bloodiest dictators. Yeah, I have a whole section which is called you know, Stalin's Terror. You know, which that uh, charts uh, you know, this big, great the Great Terror in the nineteen thirties and Stalin's role in that process. I'm not trying to deny in any way that Stalin was also a brutal, ruthless, repressive, uh, uh, you know, dictator. When I say he's an intellectual, he's an, he's an idealist. He's a utopian. Yeah. That's very important. Okay. Yeah. Questions would be
0: great. Uh, Somebody Uh, Orfeo uh, asked, and uh, he says, uh, I'm not clear on the Jesuit Orthodox connection, except in terms of a fairly virulent aversion. Is there something else? And I think it's like, how did he come from studying in a Christian environment and then turning to socialism?
1: Well, well, The the, the Jesuits were were Catholics. Uh, Stalin was educated by the, the Orthodox church, which of course, you know, sp- were split from the Catholic Church in uh, you know uh, I don't know when it was some around around uh, you know a 1, thousand twelve hundred BC I can't remember what it was exactly. Yet. so there there were a different street, completely different strand uh, of uh, of Christianity, the Eastern Church, uh, which actually came from Byzantium, and the Russian Orthodox Church was a uh, was a branch of the Eastern, Eastern Orthodox Church. So that that was Stalin's uh, religious upbringing, and you know it seems to be clear that you know as a young boy um you know he was he was very religious he was a believer his mother was a believer was very devout and and, you know Stalin was the same okay but uh, particularly when he goes to to the seminary in tbilisi he comes in in contact with radical students radical ideas you know there's a lot of student protests have been going on There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in georgia generally um you know the, the georgian nationalism is on the rise and you know growing hostility to russian domination of uh of uh of, 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 of georgia uh and, and also you know marxist ideas are beginning to uh spread in, in tsarist russia and, and groups of marxists are are forming all over tsarist russia including uh in, you know in, in georgian in Stalin's part of the tsarist empire uh, which is in, 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 which is in georgia. Okay, so that's the context in basically which you know he, he drops out of the church. He turns his back on the church. Now some people argue that um you know Stalin ret- retained some religious uh, belief and some kind of uh, affiliation or affection to you know the, the 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 orthodox church which had educated him in the seminary. I don't think there's any any um any truth in that at all. I I, I have a whole section in the book on that. Stalin, when he became a socialist and a Marxist, he also became um, uh, an atheist. Yeah, and that there was that never changed throughout his life. In fact, when he was leader of the Soviet Union, Stalin pursued uh, a very repressive policy uh, towards the church, highly repressive policy towards the church uh, in Russia, not just the Orthodox Church, but other branches of Christianity and also other other, other religions. Now, during the Second World War, there's a, a partial reconciliation with the Russian Orthodox Church um, as part of the ongoing uh, Soviet uh, war effort. But that was a matter of political expediency rather than expressing uh, you know, any um, affiliation that Stalin might have had with, uh, with with the Orthodox Church or with Christianity. Gotcha.
0: And here's a question that you could answer. It may not be in this book, but was Stalin involved with Helena Blavatsky, who I think was Russian, and other... Cult activities while insisting on atheism for his subjects you ever Sorry. heard anything about that did you ever come across any of his any belief in occultism he didn't have anything like that in in communism right it was just no like no that's,
1: yeah, there, there are a lot of weird and wonderful ideas floating around about stalin including in relation to religious questions and cultism but you know and, you know and i spent a long long time a lot of my time like Tracking down this stuff, chasing this stuff to try and verify it or to try and see what, what, whether there's any truth on it. And you know, generally, you know, it, 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 you know, there's no evidence for it. As far as I can see, there's there's uh, there's, there's no truth in, in that or any of that kind of stuff.
0: Um, another question is: What were his general trends of his interest, especially outside of Marxism? Did you notice anything in that library that uh, showed an outside trend? You talked about his fiction books
1: well okay in terms of fiction um you know he he was a devotee of um of the classics of world literature yeah yeah, um, you, know, you, know, you know shakespeare goethe uh, victor hugo alexander dumas kipling all that kind of stuff like that so at least these weren't obviously weren't weren't marxist so that was one um non-marxist interest an interest which he he shared with lenin and marx both lenin and marx and Stalin. um you know, saw this kind of literature as having a, a progressive role because it revealed certain realities about historical development and about capitalism and and about class class, class struggle. Yeah, <clears throat> that's one thing. Yeah, the other thing. Oh, yeah, I can't kind of mention history. Yeah, I mean that a lot of his interests in history were, <clears throat> you know, non-Marxist um, interests. And in fact, in relation to the history, he came to adopt what you might think to be. Uh, a very not kind of non-Marxist approach to, to Russian history. Because eventually he came to the view that, okay, the Tsars have been you know, autocrats, they've been uh, oppressors, exploiters of, of, of the people and, and so on. <clears throat> but they'd also created this you know, powerful Russian state, which acted as a protector <coughs> of the people who live within it. And, and this was a legacy that the Bolsheviks had gained control of as a result of their revolution and the bolsheviks um had <coughs> had a historic duty to protect that legacy and in protecting that legacy they would protect you know the population of soviet russia as it then was uh, but also they would protect you know the project of, of, of socialism so what happens in um in uh, the 1930s understanding is that there's a, <coughs> a re kind of identification of soviet communism as being not just revolutionary and marxist and socialist also has been patriotic yeah patriotic yeah the defenders of um you know the soviet union as a multinational state the heir to <clears> the <throat> great russia and and that comes from <clears throat> from non-marxist sources as i mentioned earlier robert viper is a major uh influence in Stalin's shift of thinking uh, in, 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 in that, in that, in that, in that respect, That's one example. Of course, another example would be in terms of military theory, strategy and tactics. A lot of um, Stalin's thinking and reading and interest in that area you know, you know, you know, were to do with more, more non-Marxist contributions to that. So that would be a third example. Okay. Excellent.
0: Okay. And then another question is from Illustrate Life. What was the most surprising book Dr. Roberts found in his library?
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's um, an interesting question. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, as to answer that, well, the, the the first interesting book, uh, sorry, uh, surprising book I found um, in Stein's little library actually was a book by Robert Viper, uh, and it was a a history of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Right. And very, int- and this particular book was. Marked every single page of it was marked. Yeah, yeah it had uh, sentences underlined, paragraphs underlined, lines in the margin. Every this is a 300 page book, and every book is marked And I was very excited when I saw this, book. right? So, Stalin is interested in um history of the Roman Empire. Yeah, maybe that's his kind of like historical reference point and model, not the history of Tsarism and Russia, but maybe that's it. So I was very excited about that. So that was really, I thought that was a huge find. I was really surprised to find that. I was very excited about it. The problem is, eventually I had to conclude that, okay, this book was in his library, Robert uh, Yuri Vipo was his uh, favorite historian I think and I, I'm sure he must have read I looked at this book but all these marks I found in it weren't Stalin's marks they're not his marks this was a secondhand book and it was someone else's marks okay so so that's one example the second example I given and, and this one this this is Stalin, is that it, it was a book published in um 1945 and it's a study of the the the, the the constitutional law of different countries, of different capitalist countries. So it's a book that goes through the different constitutions in different countries. And starting read this book, and he obviously had a great interest in the details of, you know, <laughs> different types of constitutions. You know, the balance of power, the separation of the different branches of of the, of the state, uh, different kinds of elections, presidential systems, parliamentary system, all that kind of thing. That really surprised me, was the the level of detail of his interest in that particular topic. Okay? I can see the question on the screen there. Do you want me to answer that? Can you hear me?
0: I had it muted. Sorry. I'll repeat that again. Was Stalin more interested in Marxism or liberating Russia? Sorry.
1: Well, both uh he didn't see that as being a different interest they're the same interest yeah <clears throat> he saw marxism as being the liberation of russia yeah marxism you know was the way to liberate russia and the marxist ideals of, of socialism were the way to make russia or the soviet union as it became greater uh yeah so so uh, you know it, there's, there's no there's no there's no uh there's no distinct there's no distinction between <coughs> Stalin's mind, he's Stalin sees himself as being a Marxist revolutionary and also an internationalist. Really important point to mention here. Stalin was an internationalist. So he wasn't just interested in Russia, he was interested in other countries as well, the history of other countries. In fact, foreigners who visited him were were amazed, very often amazed, by the amount of knowledge that he had of their countries. And, And he got that knowledge, not because he was being briefed by officials who were, you know, writing documents from, from his own reading. So, so yeah. So Stalin's interest in in the history of many, many different uh, countries in many different, um, uh, you know, part, parts of the world. He's uh, an internationalist, okay. But uh, yeah, so Stalin sees himself, you know, as a, an internationalist, as a revolutionary, as a Marxist, a socialist, a communist, and and all that. But he also sees himself <clears throat> as a patriot a patriot of the soviet system and you, know, and, and you know this is one of the concepts he develops it's the concept of you know soviet patriotism what is a soviet patriot you know uh, <laughs> a soviet patriot is someone who owes that gives their loyalty to the soviet system and the soviet system the socialist aspect of the, the soviet system protects their welfare the, the patriotic uh, aspect of the system protects them from foreigners, from foreign invasion, from foreign uh, oppression. Gotcha. And you, your
0: section, you talk about him writing, he would write humbug or uh, yes or da or all kinds of things in his book. You yeah. called, I think the Russian word is Pometsky. But what yeah, do you Pometky. think? Pometky. What do you think Stalin would have written on this book? Stalin's. Stalin? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's. <laughs> That's a good very good that's a very good question. Um okay, well I, I would have liked to have to think that Stalin would have written on on you know the front cover of the book, the one you can see on what one I can see on the screen I'm in my hand, he'd have written on the front cover about his favorite annotation, which was N B. Note bene. N B. Ah, yeah. This is an interesting book. This is an important book. This is a book that, you know. I need to read. You need to read. But I suspect that what well, he would have actually written on the on, on the front of the book would have been his second favourite annotation, right? Which was ha ha. I think he'd have written ha ha. So Roberts thinks he can get inside my head by reading through my library books. Ha ha. I think that's what he would have written on, on like, likely to have read on the front cover of my book. And he's a really
0: fascinating uh, figure just an incredibly complex person. So this is uh, the book kind of gets more insight into how well read he was and how intelligent. And where's the best place for people to get Stalin's library? It's available now. There's an audio book too, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no there's an, an audio book. Yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not too expensive either. Yeah, um, obviously you can you can buy buy uh, online. Uh, although I was when I was looking at you know a certain well-known online supplier of various books of goods um, I noticed that it said that um it said that you know there was they were out of stock and there was some delay in providing copies so you know, so go go to an online provider uh, who, who can supply your copy immediately, or go to a bookshop you know all you know, I mean all big bookshops I'm sure that, that you'll be able to find copies the of, 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 of the book there yeah and I'm sure, in due course, there'll be a be a paperback edition. So you know, if you want to like save some money and, and wait until that, or, or or go to your local library, get a library to order it for you. Yeah, there you absolutely.
0: go. Yeah, there you go. And there the audio book's available now. There's a hardcover, and if people yeah. want to reach out to you, your website's the best place, right, Joffrey. Robert's stuff. Well, you
1: can, yeah okay. You can look at my website, and you can see there's lots of stuff by me, writings by me on on the website, all kinds of things. Yeah, but it's also it has my email address on the website. How to contact me? And sure, if people want to contact me if they have questions about the book, about whatever, anything at all, just drop me a line on the way. That's the be- email. That's the best way uh, to contact me, and I'll do the best to to reply to people's questions and queries.
0: Excellent. Well, th- thanks so much for your time. You're clearly an expert. You know so much about Stalin and that. Histories. I'm really delighted that you took the time to talk about this, your book, Stalin's Library, A Dictator and His Books, published by, uh, published 2022 by Joffrey Roberts. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. All right, stay there.